Welcome back, everyone, once again to another installment of Friends and Family Month on Screenplay Rewind. I'm Jeff. I'm Ron. And uh, it's kind of crazy. We're already, like, about to be three-fourths away through these, unless uh, you end up having some bonus ones. Did you ever talk to your dad? Like, are we going to have a special bonus? I will be seeing him tomorrow. Friends and Family After Hours, which sounds <laughs> oh, really, no. really gross now that I say it. Oh, out loud. no. <laughs> It's like is that that's what you gotta pay to go see the Moulin Rouge, just friends and family after hours, man. Yeah, so uh, we will be covering Yeah. Fucking goddamn dude. I love that song, but it won't leave my brain now. I just find myself and this gonna be my life for the next week and a half until something else like fucking takes that spot in my brain. <sighs> Millions of years of evolution. And we still, you, you play one catchy tune and it just doesn't leave the human brain for days. It's like, <laughs> you think we'd be past this, but we are not. Oh, oh man. man, this movie. Yeah, Moulin Rouge is a, a fucking trip. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we had any questions this week. Did you have any any prompts or anything from Chris or anybody along the way? I got nothing this time. Okay. Okay, uh, did she give a reasoning for picking Moulin Rouge? She's like, I, we uh, announced her choice on the last episode, but I can't recall if she had given like a breakdown on why she selected it. Did she give any additional details as to she, why she picked this? She had given me a, the details why, but we had been saving those for the episode, so I didn't voice it yet. Got, gotcha, gotcha. Would you like to go ahead and uh, relay uh, those details now? We had been running the kids through Obi-Wan, all six episodes, and Ewan McGregor is hot, and she wanted to watch more Obi-Wan. That's fair, because Ewan McGregor is hot. And I, I literally said this to her <clears throat> during the movie. It's not fair, Jeff. <laughs> and I, I didn't say Jeff. I just said it's not fair. And she looked at me. And she goes, what's not? And I was like, Ewan McGregor gets to be Ewan McGregor every day. It's not fair. It's not. Yeah, it's, 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 it already wasn't fair. And then he got to go and marry, marry Elizabeth fucking Winstead, dude. I it's know. just like, come on, man. He, come on. He gets to look like that. First off, he's like, you know, everyone talks about Paul Rudd's the nicest guy in Hollywood. Ewan McGregor is a close second, if not tied for first, by all accounts. Yeah. And, and then, everyone loves him as an actor, and everyone loves him even more as a dude. And yeah. it's just like, save some fucking talent and charisma and success for the rest of us, you selfish prick. Yeah, I was going to say, he's so nice. He's so talented. He gets to sound like that all the time. I mean, come on. I also and, find it really funny. Like he he talked about how he was nervous about like singing in this. It's like, why would you be nervous when you sound that good? I know. Like, and he's a fucking nerd on top of it, Jeff. Uh, he, how so? I, I don't know a lot of the nerd uh, background with him. He uh he's just talked about in different interviews and stuff about how to this day, when he's going into like a supermarket, he will like Jedi open the doors as they're walking <laughs> in, and his kids God are not it. impressed with him. Ewan McGregor, I like love it, you so much. He said his kids just roll their eyes. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I had not heard of that, but I absolutely love that. That's a real thing. Yeah. Great. He, yeah. he fucking does that shit all the time. Then there's like that that gif of him and like, what is it, episode three or whatever, just bouncing around in the fucking Jedi fighter, like, uh, like super happy. Yeah. Oh, he's such Man. a dork, and he gets to be Ewan McGregor on top of it. 
I also appreciate how much of a perfectionist he was, like with the uh, the Beauty and the Beast live action movie, where he requested his entire line catalog be re-recorded because he wasn't happy with the accent of his yes. like uh, his French accent. Lumiere is that the name of the, the Lumiere? Yeah, that, yeah, that dude. Yeah, as I appreciate in... that because a lot of people, as an actor, when you come in and you're just doing a voice for a live action Disney remake, that's a fucking paycheck for you know 99 out of 100 actors in hollywood and he is the one who is you know saying you know what that movie which was just a complete cash grab uh, where i'm playing the talking candle i wasn't happy with my accent i'm gonna re-record all those lines Please. of dialogue candelabra enormous <laughs> different <laughs> let us bullet bitch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> re-record my lines <laughs> <laughs> Oh, ah, magnifique, oui, oui. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Fuck that guy <laughs> that we all love so much. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Fuck Ewan Gaggle. McGregor just for being Ewan McGregor. Yeah. All the time. He's got a, he's he flaunts fucking... it, Jeff. He just walks around being Ewan McGregor out in public. He's also just got a badass name. Like, he sounds like he'd actually be, like, a fucking medieval, like, king with the name Ewan McFucking Gregor, dude. The it's McGregor like, part. Ewan makes him sound like an Ewok. Ewan. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, but all together, like, Ewan McGregor just has, like... Uh, all together, that's one badass it, Ewok. It, yeah, it's got, like, a lot of fucking gravitas to it, man. As he, his real-life name has more gravitas than Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is a Star Wars fantasy name. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, this is not Count Dooku. Oh my fucking god! Let's Count not go there, Dookie. Let's not go there, please. <laughs> it's not uh, the Jedi way. We can't go there. <laughs> it leads to the dark side. <laughs> I hate, I hate Count Dooku. It gets everywhere. <laughs> 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 All right, that's it's smushy and it smells bad. <laughs> it's so coarse it's unsanitary oh god why is it coarse <laughs> oh god what have you been eating let's, Annie? Uh, yeah let's let's, uh, let's move Annie, along. why let's move along Annie, fanny uh, i say let's move along uh yeah no 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 hang on we have to linger here a moment have you heard have you heard no so the internet randomly tends to get fascinated with random people thinking they're sexy out of okay. nowhere, the current obsession. Or I mean, thank God we're off Jeffrey Dahmer and all of them. But the current obsession is Anakin Skywalker from episodes two and three being sexy. That's the current obsession. And they, they, they just get like turned on when he goes and kills a, like a bunch of little kids. It's all, like, what are we... all I can what? figure is they watch those movies on mute. Because how else would you find him sexy? From as my soon as point he of view, talking. Ewan McGregor is the sexiest. <laughs> you can't win, Annie. <laughs> I have the internet. I have the, I have the sexy high ground. <laughs> I have the Moulin Rouge. I have the Moulin Rouge. Because I can't, can't, can't. Don't do it, Annie. Uh, I can't, can't, can't. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. I love the, how we're the high ground minutes. is alive with the sound of music, Annie. So now I'm just imagining their fucking final lightsaber fight. And that is made infinitely better. Oh my god. Oh fuck. 
Someone please edit that, please. Please. <laughs> it has it, to exist. Literally anything in existence is made infinite times better if you either put the Can Can song over it or the <laughs> Benny Hill theme song. Just pick one of the two and I'm happy. It just serves all purposes and it's always funny. It, it will never not be funny. It's so, it's so good. Oh, man. Benny yeah. Hill has the high ground. <laughs> so, uh, spoilers for Moulin Rouge. Which is a movie I had not seen, which is surprising to me because it's just so fucking famous. But I it had, was just I had seen it genre. one time a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. A galaxy far, far away. Yeah, I had never seen it. Uh, I pretty much for my entire life was just kind of anti-musical. Just had watched them as a kid with my mom because my mom is a big musical lover and just just detested every second of it that was actually a uh there was actually a sticking point with you and me on the last podcast we did there will be expletives when we started talking about the beauty and the beast uh live action remake yeah um you had said a line which i still remember i don't know if you want me to say it or not but you and i argued about that for like half of that episode i think i believe it <laughs> A lot of arguing on there will be expletives. We there was a lot of expletives. The, surprisingly, yeah, did not bury the lead. You know, to our credit, I was um, I was surprised at just how many expletives were in that podcast. Yeah, and then I think I talked about this at the end of the last episode. But like, what kind of like turned me around on it was Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Just really getting into Hamilton, and have since gone back and watched a, not like a ton of musicals, but some. You know, like I I can like. I, I don't typically go out of my way to watch them, but I will watch them and have enjoyed some. Um, so what were your, so you said you'd watched this a long time ago and you just rewatched it now. So what did you think of it back in the day when you watched it? And what were your thoughts on this just in general, like now? So from what I remember, I mean, it was a long time ago, but I liked it then. I liked it now, but I feel like, Whereas it was impressive, both visually and, you know, the, the music and the sound and everything being impressive at the time with the way, like the green screening and stuff has aged. I find, did you find it, it had a weird charm to it? Like there, this whole thing is about a stage play and the way the green screening in the movie has aged, it looks like a stage play now. It's weird. So they were trying to be cutting edge and they were kind of cutting edge for the time. 2001, that was pretty cutting edge. And now it does look intentionally campy. Yeah. So like it ended up working out in their favor as far as like the, the special effects. I, I, I agree in that. that and, you know, in 2001, we have much stranger, weirder films now. This was a very odd film in 2001. Yeah. I, I I still found it odd today. <laughs> no, it's it's still very odd, but it's it's it leans more towards the middle than a lot of movies these days. Yeah, that's we true. live in a world with a cocaine bear. That's true. God bless the cocaine bear, which I believe is now streaming. Oh, I, I believe it's on Peacock now. Yeah. You know, you know the only way you defeat the cocaine bear. You <laughs> the get can <laughs> Oh my god, oh, man. this movie. Uh, so okay, let's uh let's run through the uh cast and crew just to start us off. Uh directed by is it Boz or Baz? I've heard it both ways and I never know which is actually how I've, he pr pronounces it. I've name. heard it both ways, and I'm gonna guess knowing him, he's just gonna go with either one. Yeah, whatever you pick. I, I have I think more often heard Baz. 
So I, I think I've more often heard Bajas. Interesting. Interesting. So we will probably just say it both ways. And I'm sorry, Mr. Lerman. We could just say Mr. Lerman, <laughs> which makes him sound like a fucking like, villain in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, uh, Boz Lerman directed it. And he also mm -hmm. co-wrote this uh, with and Craig Pierce. Who he Craig wore Pierce a is also lot of sunscreen during production. A lot indeed. of sunscreen. Uh, Craig Pierce has basically been like a co-writer with him for all of his movies. I was going to say, ever? <laughs> yeah, he, he like wrote Elvis with them, which, have you seen the new Elvis movie, by the way? I've heard the new Elvis movie is actually really good. I, I just no, I've heard it, it is incredibly good. I have not yeah. watched it. I've been meaning to, but I've also heard <clears throat> it has less to do with Elvis and more about uh, what's-his-fuck that Tom Hanks plays. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, the producer guy that like made him famous and was probably a colossal Whoa. shitbag because... Yeah, ripped him off. Oh, ripped him off yeah. of all of his money. Yeah. All, like all, all of those basically if you have a movie that involves a singer from that time the producer is just a colossal shit stain epic human being <laughs> like, uh there's another podcast i listened to they were talking about a documentary that he thought was on apple plus but he wasn't sure it was uh i don't know that i wasn't familiar with the musician but in the documentary that guy says that this is like in the 70s and 80s he did over six years, he did six albums, toured all over the world, right? Think about all of that. By the end of it, he had $6,000 in his banking account. That's it. Crazy, man. Yeah. Crazy. Because it all went back to the record label. And all those profits, all the touring, everything. And the touring is generally where the money is. Yeah. So, um, um, step one, find Elvis. Step two, question mark. Elvis. Step three, Elvis <laughs> is in a in an old folks' home somewhere, isn't he? Fighting mummies. That's isn't, true. That, isn't that what I've heard? That's, Why haven't yeah, we that's, had that's a, that on the show? <laughs> I'm surprised Bobby hasn't picked. Doesn't Bobby love Bubba Hotep? Yeah, I mean, he loaned it to me. That's how I watched it. Yeah, he think, owns. Wait, it. wait, didn't I? Didn't I watch it? By borrowing his copy that you have? You did. Yeah. Like, why didn't he pick that? That's crazy. He'll probably pick it next year because he's got to pick a good movie next time. It's a good movie. It is a good movie. I love that movie. Um, okay. Here's a question. Uh, so, uh, Baz Luhrmann also, with this uh, co-writer, did the 90s Romeo and Juliet with Mr. Oh. DiCaprio. Do you like that? Because I don't, I don't think I've actually ever seen that. Yeah. Uh. I like it as an experiment, like it has its moments. Overall, I don't really care for it. And that's mainly due to the fact that, generally speaking, I'm not a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan to begin with. And he's real heavy in that movie, if you can imagine. It, yeah, uh, Leonardo, he's he's a bit hit or miss for me. I, I like more of his... I like that he's willing to do just about anything, no matter how far out there it is. But John Leguizamo is Tybalt in that movie, and he's fucking awesome. Uh, but, you know, they do the original dialogue, but yeah. it, it's all set in modern day. So, like, when the guy yells, hand me my longsword, there's literally a fucking Uzi in the limousine labeled 9mm longsword. Um, things like that. Yeah. Uh, Shakespeare is always really strange for me. Yeah. Um, uh, now... There was a recent Shakespeare adaptation that had a Denzel in it on Apple. Let me figure out which of the Shakespeare stories it was. Interesting. 
but it sounded uh, yeah it's called, so it's called the tragedy of macbeth and it is like a one-to-one -one translation with the original like shakespearean dialogue and it's all in black and white and looks hmm. really really cool uh and by all accounts was like really really great just like a one of those movies with a ton of great people in the cast too so uh yeah uh it's just weird because like sometimes Shakespeare stuff just com completely misses with me to the point to where I don't understand why it's so famous. I acknowledge Shakespeare, like I like what he's done for literature and stuff. Most of the time, I just couldn't care. It's also uh, basically historical fact that he didn't write most of the shit that he's credited for and that also kind of bothers me there's lots of reports about you know like all the ghost writing that was happening under shakespeare and that's also kind of fucked up i mean uh, that sounds uh, about right i mean thomas edison is one of our american heroes right yeah that always sucks when you have someone who is famous you know centuries later for a lot of shit they didn't actually do that always kind of irks me but uh, let's get back on topic with that moulin rouge uh so the cast for this movie is pretty bonkers uh you have nicole kidman and leo mcgregor as the leads as a teen and christian uh john leguizamo i would like john leguizamo in this movie a lot better if i could understand what he's saying half the time i would he, like uh, him better if he just fucking stood up and got off his knees <laughs> yeah uh the poor guy apparently needed months of physical therapy after this i'm just like really guys like we're gonna make john leguizamo require physical therapy because <laughs> of moulin rouge is really? that why is that why john wick he has that limp <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, we have uh, Jim Broadbent as Harold Dude, Zidler. I cannot wait to talk about Jim Broadbent in this movie. Jim Broadbent I, is fucking going for it in this he movie, is dude. fucking bonkers in this movie. And I think, honestly, he's my favorite part of this movie. Interesting. Because uh, he's just so snively whiplash slash Looney Tune slash larger than life, like, I, uh, to me, he almost is this movie because he's all I can walk away thinking about. To me, he's the only person in the entire cast that fully understands the tone they were going for and is actually charismatic enough to like make it work. Uh, I think I, I can't stand the Duke character in this movie and I hate the performance <laughs> of the Duke. He is like going for it in all the most annoying choices possible that makes me want to fucking stab him. And not in a, he's the villain, so I'm supposed to hate him. I, I can't fucking stand any moment where he's on screen. It, dro it drove me crazy. I fucking hate that character, and I hated the performance so much. Oh, my God. What did you think of the Duke? <laughs> the Duke. The Duke. Oh, uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize that uh, John Wayne was in this movie. Um, <laughs> he's interesting. I... I can't tell if I agree with you or disagree with you. I don't know. It almost seems like like a directing choice. Like it, uh the the voice is one of the things that drives me crazy. The voice lot, drives me nuts. I, a I, lot of people in this movie. Now most of it probably to your point is directorial choices, but the choices they get made for people's voices like like Wasamo and uh, Richard Roxburgh who is who's playing the duke. I can't fucking stand their voices, and it almost like ruins the entire movie for me. Just, I, just these few voices alone. With the way this movie is shot, it almost feels like to me like none of these people are in the same room. Also, which lends 
a different way to the, the way they would uh, vocalize their lines, you know? It's especially bad for Leguizamo's character because uh, he's doing the stand-in to be 4 feet 11, you know, by... Yeah. Apparently, like I read, he is on a contraption to where he basically is on his knees and connected to his knees are prosthetic feet. And then Ugh. they they green screened out his uh, calves and feet. Ugh. And, bec- and because of that, like they, they took time to do that. But then they still have like forced perspective shots where he is talking separately from the rest of the cast a lot of the time anyway. So it's like, why did I, I, I hit... The choices behind his character and the choices behind the Duke are really puzzling to me in, in this. The best example I have of what I'm talking about is, did you see Wakanda Forever? I did. There's a conversation that happens in that movie that is clearly a reshoot. And the two actresses are clearly not in the same room shooting at the same time. And one of them is like going for it. And one of them is like really playing it like cool and like undertone like real low voice but one is like really excited and it's just jarring and it keeps doing these really fast snap cuts between the two characters as they're talking uh, you never see them on the screen at the same time and what what scene was it by out of, out of curiosity because i don't remember those i, I only saw it it's when one time. it's when black panther's sister is resynthesizing the flower to become black panther herself it's her and what is it? Ironheart? Is that the character's yeah. name? It's the two of them uh, having Re- a conversation. Riri Williams, I think is her name. Yeah, like at the beginning of the conversation, you see them on screen at the same time, but I don't know if that's green screen or not. But after that point, it's a bunch of real snap cuts between the two characters' faces. And they're having their words mesh together, but they're having two completely different conversations. And I get that a lot in this movie. It's just not as obvious to me. I feel like it yeah. probably had better direction for that type stuff than Wakanda Forever did. Uh, Although you you have to give them honestly a, like, a in Wakanda of... Forever, that's probably like a second unit director. Also, that's probably not not the uh, main. Also, I I I can't like give them shit for any directorial stuff when you already have like a completed script and your main actor passes away in real life and you can no longer shoot yeah. that script. That's rough. Uh, like to me it's it's astounding that they were even able to like pull that movie together. Yeah. So I I can't really, you know, like uh, give them too much shit for that. But I yeah, I the, you can definitely tell there's but a lot I can of that. Also, it's very very jarring. But also they put out yeah. the final product and I can still judge it. Yeah. Uh you know. but yeah, I I agree there is a lot of uh, the early aughts editing in this made me want to go jump off a fucking bridge. <laughs> Do you remember when we were talking about the first Lord of the Rings movie and we were talking about that slow frame rate choice yeah. that like every fucking movie was doing around this time? This movie does that more than any movie I've ever seen and I wanted to die. I fucking hate that camera trick so much and that is like every fucking third scene in this movie is just constantly slow frame rate for dramatic effect for no fucking reason god damn it here's the thing though i think it fits in this movie better than it does in lord of the rings it does i still fucking hate that camera trick so much and i don't know why every goddamn movie in this time period it's not even really a camera trick it's an editing trick yeah, well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like the present, the presentation of the movie being super, super 
jagged fucking single digit right. frame rate sequencing for <laughs> no fucking reason it's like your Constant. graphical settings are set too high on moulin rouge yeah it's like i gotta replace my fucking <laughs> gpu on moulin rouge dude it's like all right i gotta go i gotta go turn off ray tracing and turn on dlss Sorry. yeah i gotta get the i gotta get the 4090 so i can properly play <laughs> moulin rouge Sorry, guys. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though? They've got, they're really going for it graphically in this movie and with like the green screen techniques and stuff and the editing and just the general overall appearance and like zaniness of this movie that it's not a good choice, but I think it fits in here a lot better than it does with, uh, with Lord of the Rings that ground the movie and the, the action sequences to a halt. I want to know which movie did that shit first and made it <laughs> such a popular trend so i can go back in time and prevent that movie from ever fucking happening because holy shit i feel I like it's like an i feel like it's like an 80s trick or like a 90s tv trick i think i think it didn't happen until the like late 90s and then it became a constant trend really early in the aughts because you, if you remember when we talked about it in lord of the rings it happens a lot in fellowship and they didn't pull that shit a single time <laughs> in Two Towers or Return of the King. Like, Not a single fucking time did they go back to that well and thank God. It's like JJ's lens flares. They quit doing the camera tricks, the editing yeah. trick. Like that that's all you had to do to get an extended edition. It's just, you know, add in them back <laughs> all the frames and you have an extra hour and a half of Fellowship of the Ring. It's insane. Uh also, did you notice at the beginning of the movie, uh, the Audrey character is played by David fucking Wynnum, who is like almost unrecognizable? Speaking I was like, is that David Wynnum? And it totally fucking is, dude. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, yeah, David Wynnum is... Why big. isn't he playing the goddamn Duke, dude? I this don't This movie know. would be so much better if they switched those actors. Absolutely. David Wynnum is in this movie for like two minutes and has a thousand percent more charisma than the Duke guy does. And if you just swap them, this movie becomes infinitely better in my book. Apparently he was just stopping by on set that day. They just grabbed him, threw him in the movie. It's like, dude, throw him in the, the, the rest of the movie. Come on, man. Because yeah. he's, he's fantastic. I, need, I, need, I mean, I need more David Wenham. Well, yeah, one of the most like underrated actors of the generation, I think, is David Wenham. Because like, he's always great, and I feel like he's never in anything. He just like, hardly ever pops up and stuff. And then yeah. when he does, he finally gets like a fucking big break with an MCU show and it's a fucking Iron Fist season one villain. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> I forgot about that. Come on. That's fucked I up. I mean, like, come on. Give the guy a break. How, how uninteresting overall, when you stop and think about it, is Faramir, but he's one of the most memorable characters and it's solely David Wenham's performance. Oh, yeah. I, I was just uh, talking to Aurora the other day. Like, you remember how good that scene is? When he's talking to to John Noble. Oh, my God. And it was like, would you have preferred I had been the one that died and Boromir had lived? He's like, yes, I, I wish that. Uh, and, then, and then he's like, I'm sorry you were robbed of Boromir. Oh, I my Try to God. think of me better. His performance in that, you know, just like three lines is As he's getting fantastic. ready to ride out on a suicide mission. A, yeah, knowing he won't make it back. So fucking great, dude. Oh, man. Oh, my God. So... We, let's just cover Lord of the Rings again. I'm co-opting uh, Fairns of the Family Month. We're just going to talk every, about all the Lord of the Rings movies. Every December, we just review Lord of the Rings again. Hell yeah, dude. I would do that. I would totally yeah. do that. I would totally do that. Uh, let's see. I think that's kind of like 
the bulk of the heavy hitters in the movie. Were any other people in the cast that you wanted to make note of? Did we talk about Ozzy yet? Did uh, I hear? Ozzie? Did I hear you mention Nicole Kidman or Ian McGregor? I don't remember you yeah. mentioning them. Yeah, I, I opened up with saying that they were playing the okay. two leads. We just we 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 uh, quickly went past them because we wanted to talk about how incredibly annoying John Leguizamo's voice and uh, <laughs> the whole hopping around in his knees thing was. But yeah, we, we did talk. Did you want okay. to go into more detail with them? Uh, no, no, I just, I'm operating on two hours of sleep. So, oh yeah, uh, it, it flew by me. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the movie. The first thing though, that I want to know, Jeff, overall, I know you're not the biggest Nicole Kidman fan. What do you think of Nicole Kidman in this movie? I, I'm kind of torn. I think I'm with the torn. exception of one scene, this is like one of her better performances. It is one of her better performances. She is one of the... Uh, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I strongly dislike about 75% of this movie. Really? Yeah, I, I ended up not liking it. And the main reason why... Uh, it's partially my own fault because I just didn't know it was the thing of the movie that was like the main kind of draw to it. I can't fucking stand when movies have pop culture songs out of context. It just oh. like drives me crazy. And that is the entirety of this movie. Yeah. And, yeah that, that's it, every it drove song. Me fuck, it drove me fucking crazy. Like I, I, if you have people, you know, covering like Bowie in, you know, like a movie based in the eighties or something, I can kind of get behind it when you have something that is clearly like a time uh, you know, like a, like a previous time in history, and they just you know have Queen songs and they have Bowie songs and Elton John. I can't fucking stand it. So, I I hated almost all the musical sections of this movie just because of that. Because huh. I had no clue that it was based around that. But that that's like a really personal thing with me because I just can't stand that. I think um one of the first times I remember it happening. Do you remember it? Do you remember it in a Knight's Tale? When they just like randomly start having Queen songs and I, that, and I was just like, Why? I don't know, I, I never saw it. Uh, that yeah, it's so it's you know based in like what like the fucking fourteen hundreds, and they just start performing Queen songs. I was just like, really? <laughs> Why? Why? I didn't know a Night's Tale was a musical. <laughs> it's not. They just randomly have a scene where they're doing Queen songs, and I'm just like, huh? Why the fuck is this in this movie? I don't get it because other other than that, that sounds it's like, like a like, larger problem with the movie to me, not not the music choice. Well, it's just out of fucking left field, and uh, I I don't I, I don't know. I I just can't I can't stand it. Uh, hmm. I I really like the scenes in this movie when it is Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor in like a traditional musical when they're actually doing like one or two original songs. Like I, didn't, I movie, didn't even know this movie had original songs. I didn't look uh, that far the, into Yeah, it. their their main one that is like the code for "I love you" is an original song from what May, uh, I believe. Yeah, the from the it is original song from the co-writer from a one of their previous movies. I think I think it might have even been the Romeo and Juliet one that didn't make it into the script, like the final cutting script. They put it in here, uh, but it is an original song. Hmm. Just so not from this, this movie. movie is, <laughs> yeah uh but you know it's not a pop culture hit you know it's not a bowie song so right uh so what so does that not bother you uh, not at all not at all see see it just I, when i watch like a musical to me it just feels kind of lazy when you do that i think that's the main thing that kind of pisses me off because you know like you got like hamilton and fucking lin-manuel can sit at a fucking piano and write three hours worth of original material and you guys can't write, you know, 30 minutes of original material. I, that kind of like pisses me off. It just f feels really lazy and 
it's because like to me like isn't that like the point of musicals is to present actual original music that is tied into your ip you need like you think of like some of like most famous musicals in history and it's like most of the time it's not just taking fucking pop culture hits and copy pasting them into your movie it just seems kind of weird as a choice to me yeah uh i can see that if it's it to me it depends on how it's used and the fact that this was meant to be like a movie and not like on stage um it's not like this was adapted from a stage play um yeah i don't know to me it depends on on how it's used like one of the biggest problems i had between frozen and frozen 2 is the way the music is used and those were all original songs and it bothered me more in frozen 2 because uh, what, what, what bothered you about those? Like, uh, even though I that. really like the music, and that's a good thing because I have kids and I've heard all of them many times, uh, times. Many, many, many sleepless nights. Uh, the uh, the first movie integrates them into the dialogue and the conversation the way Moulin Rouge does. Moulin Rouge doesn't do it as good. But it does do it. In the second movie, they literally pause the movie, like, okay, we're gonna sing now. And yeah. then they sing, and then when they're done, it's like, okay, back to the movie, and then we resume the movie. Um, I, I get that. Uh it's a little bit tough, I think, in that so in the first Frozen, they're also intentionally using a lot of those songs as like initial character development. Like Let It Go is actually a lot about her character. And when you already have the char- the main characters like fully established, I can kind of see how that'd be harder to make the music more organic but i can i can i can see your point uh with that yeah to, but, to like, me my, my always... sticking point is more how it's used like uh in little shop of horrors it's it's kind of used in the same way as, the same way as as uh, like uh good or bad good I like it okay. the way it's integrated the kind of, like one song is an entire conversation between audrey two and uh, Rick Moranis about eating Steve Martin and why it's justified. Gotcha. Like, so, it's so, an entire so, dialogue. Uh, the the placement of the songs in Frozen Two will never take me out of the movie as instantly as watching a movie and it and these people in 1900 Paris start singing Queen or Lady Marmalade and hmm. uh, I I I just I I just instantly question like why. Because I can kind of get sucked I've into the never, movie when I've never when, considered when that to be a sticking point. I uh, that surprises me. That's a thought that's never even occurred to me. It's interesting because like when I'm watching the movie, I kind of want to get like sucked into the movie. And when it's just Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman acting and they're singing to each other, and it feels like organic within the movie as a traditional musical, I like this movie. And every time it becomes just karaoke night and we're gonna sing some random Elton John song, I, I I'm wondering why I'm here because I couldn't care less. I, I don't just see it as like a spectacle, which it was kind of going for because this is meant to be kind of be like this, like kind of romp of a slapsticky. I, I don't even know what fucking genre is Moulin Rouge. Because <laughs> it isn't like it's all of them and none of them at the same time. And I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to think because you have really weird slapsticky like camera work in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Like, uh, or maybe it was a little bit later when, when they're singing to the Duke. And they have like those like really weird like quick Benny Hill theme style cutting <laughs> with the 
where they're kind of like teleporting around. But then the last like 30 minutes of the movie, it's meant to be like incredibly fucking serious. It, I was getting like, I was getting much, whiplash from the tone of this movie. Dude. Well, the tone reminds me of a Disney movie. That's why I was equating Frozen earlier, right? Like, okay. that's how like Lion King is. Like the first 20, 30 minutes is a cartoon. And then all of a sudden a dude kills his brother and tries to murder his nephew and shit gets real. Yeah. You know, like all of a sudden it, it takes a turn and it, yeah, it is very Shakespearean in that way. Cause Shakespeare would yeah. also have like a fart joke and then, Oh, the entire cast is now dead. Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, okay. Here's one specifically that bothered me with the song choice okay. that we were talking about. Why the fuck is there a Nirvana song? Like Elton John, I get, why the fuck are they doing a Nirvana song in Moulin Rouge? <laughs> That makes no fucking sense at all. That's like a grunge band, dude. They're, this is supposed to be like like operatic, like Queen and Bowie and Elton John songs. Why the fuck are we doing a Nirvana hit? I don't know oh, enough about just music because to it even. Was... What what song is it? I don't I don't know enough about music to know. Oh God, uh, what I, I could uh, vamp for a second. I could pull their soundtrack. <laughs> you know you I can't vamp, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. We've been doing this for like fucking seven <laughs> years, dude. You can fucking vamp. We've been doing it for years. <laughs> What was the fucking... Uh, yeah, I don't know. My uh, favorite band is The Offspring, so that tells you about my musical choices. Because everybody seems to not like them for some reason. It is Smells Like Teen Spirit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I know that why song. The I didn't even notice it. Like, why the... F I, I, I guess I'm more into music than you are, just in, in general, because I instantly can pinpoint which fucking pop song it is, and, I, and I'm just like, I was just kind of wanting to watch the movie. I don't want to have like a fucking shuffle play YouTube music playlist going on. Just... A fucking Material Girl by Madonna, followed up by Smells Like Teen Spirit, followed by, by Diamond Dogs from Bowie, followed up by uh, Children of the Revolution from T-Rex. I'm just like, what the fuck kind of... It's just a shuffle play, man. It's so random. Uh, I don't it's, understand. It's called it. art, Jeff. <laughs> it's called art. My bad. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> uh when they have an entire breakdown of like a virgin from madonna i wanted to die i can't fucking stand madonna and there's several madonna songs in this so, but and just, i get i get why they would have her because it's madonna but i personally hate madonna and i hate her music i only so know the one once, song so i don't know once once her songs were being played in here i was just like oh god damn it uh, uh, so, jim broadbent kind of pulls one of them back uh he because jim broadbent is just Fucking crushing is that, is that, it. Is that the and Like a Virgin? That's the Like a Virgin one. I had no so idea that was makes, a Madonna song. I know that song. I didn't know it was Madonna. He makes that scene work because he's Jim Broadbent and he's amazing and he gets the tone they're going for. But over overall, I, I can't fucking stand Madonna. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Me having like more familiarity with these pop singers made me dislike the movie more than you. So uh, I wish I time, didn't. I, half the time, I don't know what's original and what's not anyway interesting interesting yeah, I, i've I, never been a, a, a big music guy okay uh another thing that pissed me off i fucking love the hero song by david bowie and that is one of the ones they like butchered the most in this movie butchered wow uh yeah i fucking love that song and they they fucked it up real bad but yeah let's uh, let's let's go back on topic with like uh so what are some instances of uh, moulin rouge where you maybe originally disliked it, but it kind of uh, became more positive for you revisiting all these years later? Um, well, it's the same scene, and I still dislike this one scene strongly. 
because okay. I have one of those people with that weird quirk where when someone is just being completely over the top ridiculous, you get embarrassed for them. Oh yeah. And it gets hard to like watch the screen. And which I, which scene? So it's funny. I watched this movie twice this week because we watched it on Friday, but I knew we were recording tonight and I wanted it to be fresh. So I watched it last night. And in between there, my wife explained to me the purpose of the scene because it completely went over my head. Okay. And it was just as bad as when we watched it on Friday. I couldn't watch it. <laughs> I had to look away from the screen until the scene really? was over. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I got I to know. I got to know which, which scene. Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman in The Elephant for the first time when she's rolling around on the floor with a blanket on her uh, head. Where, where is that the, like the one where he's doing like, she, uh, she thinks he's the Duke where it's like nothing but double entendre. Yes. You talking about that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's uh, agonizing to watch. Nicole's Kidman, Nicole Kidman's uh, performance in that scene. I was just like, I, I can't, I, I literally cannot watch. Like I am so embarrassed for you. I have, yeah. to, I have to look away. And then Christina told me that what she's supposed to be doing is making it look and sound like they're having sex for Jim Broadbent, who's watching them. So he thinks yes. that they're having sex. That went over my head. Okay. And you still hated it? Because no, no, no I thought she was just trying to be sexy. And I was like, no, that's oh, not... Oh, no. It was intentional. And then when I watched it again, with that in mind, I was like, that doesn't change anything. Like literally knowing that changes nothing in this scene. Um, it's, it's weird. So Nicole Kidman is a little bit of a weird choice for this movie because when you think about the tone of this movie, you think of like Jim Broadbent's performance, right? Cause like right. Jim Broadbent knows camp. Nicole Kidman doesn't have a campy bone in her body. Nicole Kidman is always very, very straight face. Sometimes it works perfectly depending on the role and the tone of the movie. She's She'll in. do a variety kind of... of different types of movies, but generally speaking, she doesn't do campy movies. Yeah. Yeah. So when the movie is calling for her to be on the dramatic side of Shakespearean tone, she can do it all day. When the movie calls for her to be the like Midsummer Night's Dream or whatever, you know, kind of like campy side of Shakespeare, she doesn't have that in her. So she, she, I think she was trying to be to be genuinely funny in that scene that was like agonizing for you to watch, and she's just like like think is there a single time in Nicole Kidman's career she's made you laugh out loud in a movie? I can't think of one. She's always in straight laced like dramatic roles. Uh. She if you think back just like all of her very very dramatic roles uh she's a bit of a weird choice for this movie i me. don't know she made me laugh in the northman uh, <laughs> yeah, that scene was hilarious <laughs> that's, that's so funny jeff uh yeah i'm still traumatized by that i didn't know she was in aquaman uh yeah she was the queen right i can't remember uh, why are you I saw, asking I me i didn't see the movie i saw I, well, I, i'm, I'm, I'm I just, asking I my asked own you I'm asking my own brain because I watched it, but I can't fucking remember. I think she's the queen, though. That's all I need to know about that movie. I watched it, but I can't fucking remember. It wasn't terrible. It's Jason Momoa. It's it's watchable. It's fine. There are a lot worse entries in that universe than Aquaman, I can tell you that much. I didn't realize You know it. what? You know what an Aquaman? No jars of pee as plot devices. <laughs> no so Jolly Ranchers? It, no Jolly Ranchers? Or no, I'm out, bro. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out, bro. I'm out. 
Noah Team Eisenberg. I have the Jolly Ranchers, Anakin. <laughs> you can't win. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg. Why did you say that name? <laughs> uh, uh, I didn't know that uh, that the Invasion and Golden Compass were in the same year. That's crazy. She had three movies in 2007. That was a busy year well. for her. Um, Do you ever see The Others? The Others. That does not ring a bell. So it was like early aughts. It had Nicole Kidman in it, and it also had uh, Christopher Eccleston in it. It was like a ghost story. Mm-hmm. It's like a scary movie. And it was more like a, like, not like a full-blown horror movie, but kind of like a suspenseful thriller. And uh, she's really good in that. And uh, Eccleston was really good in it too. Yeah, I think you might actually like that if you ever revisited it because it's uh, I, I to me that's probably like my favorite movie of hers, just the others. So I don't remember a time that no, she's ever made me laugh, but that could be because I w- I had to screen Bewitched, and I just I don't know, maybe that broke <laughs> me. Uh, I just think she avoids comedy because. I had the the same reaction the entire movie to Bewitched that I had to click, which was in what <laughs> in what fucking planet would Will Ferrell be married to Nicole Kidman? Like on what goddamn earth? Yeah, was it is it, is it uh, Kate Beckinsale that's married to Adam Sandler and Click? Is that what you're getting? Adam at? Sandler and Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> what? <laughs> Fuck, man! It's Billy Madison in Underworld, man. It's a per- it's a pairing made in heaven. What are you talking about? Oh my god! Like, oh god, that, those casting choices are so polar opposite that I literally could not watch the movie. And I screened both of those movies. I was paid to watch them. Uh, that's oh. totally fair. Yeah, totally I don't fair. know. Well, what, ta- movie we, what movie are we talking about? <laughs> We're <laughs> no. so off. I was going to say, track. everybody hated this one movie real quick. Um, I had my issues with The Golden Compass, but largely I liked it. And I haven't seen it. Honestly, um, fucking, um, I lost his name. Daniel Craig plays Lyra's father, and Nicole Kidman plays Mrs. Coulter, her mother. Spoilers. Yeah, those are both good choices. Uh, now, I, my my only basis for those are the people they have playing them in the first season of the HBO series. But yeah, I, from so, what I know of the characters, those are both really good choices. I read too. those books before the movie came out. Yeah, Golden Compass Hipster, huh? And when I... I, I read those books before they were cool. Uh, <laughs> when I heard who was playing who, I could not imagine any better casting. Because... Nicole Kidman has that air about her, right? And and every movie like you're you're talking about, it's it's almost regal the way she carries herself. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, Miss Coulter, Mrs. Coulter in that book. Oh my god, she is so so uptight and so upper class, and I am so better than you. That entire book. And then when I heard Nicole Kidman, you know, and that's not a character thing on Nicole Kidman. She, that is the type of part that she can play. Like you were talking about very easily. She was perfect casting because she's really good at uh, being really passive aggressive. And that character 
is super passive aggressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was the way she carried herself and everything in that movie was perfect. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there was a, a chuckle or a guffaw in Bewitched. Maybe I don't remember. I, I, I seriously doubt that. <laughs> oh my god, that movie. That was like a post mortem Will Ferrell comedy. It was over. Oh, it was, it, why was Nicole Kidman even in that movie? How they, did they get? They they must have just backed up all the fucking money trucks. Like to get I her said, in that movie. She will do a ton of movies. Her list of movies are kind of insane. Like. Moulin Rouge to Stepford Wives to, uh, what is it, to Die For, to Batman and Robin, to, you know, you just... Batman and Robin, because, no, she was in, uh, she was in Batman Forever. Forever. So that was the first, that was the first one. She probably agreed to be in that movie without even reading the script, just because it was Batman and because of how successful the first two were. And then she read the script and she was like, oh, fuck. But you go all the way from those to, like, the Northmen. Like, I feel like she'll do... Or at least try just about anything, but yeah, I don't think I, I, yeah. I don't think she has camp in her. I I think she is really good when she is specifically tied to the type of character that is in the movie, regardless of the movie's tone. You're trying the, the real pro- hard not to say she's the same character in every movie. <laughs> You're trying real hard not to say that. I would never say that. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, she's, she's not though. Like she's she, not. She, like she's think, not. think of think of her in like the Northmen versus um, what I'm sure she is, you know, in like the Golden Compass. And it's like, even though both those movies are serious, she has different layers. But you know what I'm saying, though? She is always going to be on the dramatic side of the spectrum when it comes to acting. So to be in this movie is really weird because it it is just so... It is so all over the place with tone, and that is not what she does well. Would it it be... To paraphrase what I think you're trying to say, would it be fair to say that while a lot of her characters are very similar, they each usually have their own depth and usually their their own flavor to them? Yeah, there's always like a specificity it's, it's like, to not, her. It's not like Ben Affleck for me, where I always feel like I'm just watching Ben Affleck, no matter what, whether he's in a Batman costume or or if he's in, walking around a mall chasing Kevin Smith. I just see Ben Affleck no matter what. There's um, always a specificity to her performance. But she is always going to be on the side of drama. She is never going to decide to be like, especially now that the Will Ferrell incident happened. I'm pr- <laughs> pretty sure she's never going to be in another comedy in is her that, life. Is that the incident they keep talking about in Daredevil? The Will Ferrell incident? <laughs> the Will Ferrell, that's the incident bewitched. <laughs> bewitched happened. Fucking broke the universe. We got to call in Doctor Strange to fix the bewitched dimension. <laughs> Oh fuck. <laughs> uh yeah, but man, we're we're all over the place. We're almost as fucking all over the place as Moulin Rouge is talking about this shit. What, what do you think about uh what do you think about you McGregor in this? <sighs> Dreamy. What's interesting is you McGregor is also kind of like Nicole Kidman in the fact that if you look back on his career, Hot. he is well that, <laughs> but he's uh <laughs> dreamy. Spectacular, spectacular. <laughs> uh, he is... You look back on his career, and obviously he can deliver, like, comedic lines, but if you look back Dude, at his career, any, he's typically in the realm can, of drama. Anyone that can survive that George Lucas dialogue, 
yeah. deserves all the awards. The, the, some of the stupid fucking shit that George Lucas had that poor man say, and he still fucking crushes it. <laughs> I have the high ground. Now, wait a minute. How did this happen? We're smarter than this. This. You go back and watch the last 30 minutes of that fucking movie. Some of the stupid shit he has to say, and he delivers it like he's on the fucking stage, you know, in Broadway. You are my ex- brother. I loved you. You were the chosen one. <laughs> it's so bad. And he crushes it every time. And it's it's like, he makes everyone else, like, I'm sure everyone else that were in those movies hates Ewan McGregor. Because he survived? Because, because he survived those movies and everyone still loves him. And he he is so good. He made everyone else look even worse than they already were going to be. Like, you think of the stupid shit that poor Hayden Christensen had to say? I hate sand. It gets everywhere. Hey, I just met you when I was like 10, but I'm going to fucking marry you. Like, there's a lot of dumb shit in those movies. And it's like, because poor Hayden Christensen isn't a world-class actor like Ewan McGregor. He's still getting shit 30 years later. But Ewan McGregor was like, oh, I love that guy. He's awesome in those movies. Ewan McGregor's the Harrison Ford of the prequels. (laughs) I told you I went through the Family Guy specials again recently on Star Wars Day. Yeah, It's like, it's me, Han Solo, the only actor in this movie whose career won't be ruined by being in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, God. Yeah, I think Ewan McGregor's pretty good in this. I, uh, I, I, I still... I, I I find it difficult that I I guess now I'm not a Shakespearean guy as far as like not really either. knowing the ins and outs. It's probably intentional that Satine and Christian are incredibly fucking serious while everyone else is acting like they're in a, a Joel Schumacher Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I also just kind of dislike that as the general tone for the movie where it's like there's so much fucking whiplash where they're, they're, they present the death of Nicole Kidman's character so fucking seriously and it's like bro 20 minutes ago we were just suspending 4 foot 11 John Leguizamo upside down so that he could watch them fuck in the elephant room but it's like this is a thing that just happened guys and that is a sentence I just said <laughs> but like Boy, the ending of the John movie John Leguizamo is... in this movie what a pest am I right <laughs> oh my god uh yeah, tonal fucking whiplash. Yeah, I, I like you said. I'm willing to wager it's a Shakespearean thing. I mean, this is this is Baz Luhrmann. He does good and interesting films, but they're, they always have an artsy flair to them. Also, so does he do good films though outside of Elvis? I, I feel like everything else he's done is kind of like iffy. He does famous films. How about that? Uh, cause like you look back at his career, he hasn't done very many movies. Uh, he did the Great Gatsby movie with Leo, and didn't everyone like dislike that movie? I never saw it. Uh, I don't know. I know at least one person I listen to that likes it, but I never saw he did it. The Romeo and Juliet uh, movie with Leo did Moulin Rouge. Uh, Australia, I have not seen. Uh, ever kind of like mixed things with that, and then like all of a sudden, like twenty years later, Elvis is like an Oscar contender. So it's like more power to him. Like came back with like a huge hit. So. Uh, good for him and good for Craig Pierce. You should at least YouTube the John Leguizamo scenes of the Romeo and Juliet movie. Because he's so good. Oh, I love Leguizamo. I just can't stand him in this movie. It's making me sad because I was, I was like, oh, shit, John Leguizamo's in this. Oh, 
he's doing one of the most excruciating voices <laughs> I have ever heard in a film. I can't stand to look at the screen when John Leguizamo was talking. Did you prefer cool. Leguizamo or the Green Fairy? I would have rather had John Leguizamo as the clown from Spawn. <laughs> and then you have a movie. And what's funny is him as the clown in Spawn fits into the tone of Moulin Rouge better than his actual character in Moulin Rouge. Uh, oh, shit. I wonder if that was, knowing John Leguizamo, I wonder if that was Boz Lerman or John Leguizamo that did that. I don't, uh, I, I read somewhere. The bottom somewhere he line was is that they both agreed. That's the bottom I, line. I read that he was originally supposed to be the, uh, the narcoleptic Argentinian or whatever the fuck he's called in this movie. What is that character's? Unconscious Argentinian. Unconscious. It's my bad. Yeah, that, not, he was supposed to play that wrong. character. He was supposed to play that character, and then they switched him to be uh, a four foot eleven guy whose name I can't pr to to lose La Trek. I I don't I don't know. Could you could you name a black guy La Chocolat in twenty twenty three? I don't think they should have done it in two thousand one. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cringe, man. Because like they're. <laughs> <laughs> There's social commentary around it now, fucking obviously, but in 2001, you're just like, that's a real fucking bad joke, boss. That's a real fucking cringe. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, that's the one character I definitely do not understand in this movie. I love him now. One of my favorite scenes in the movie, because it's unintentionally fucking hilarious to me. This is when when Le Chocolat <laughs> saves uh, Nicole Kidman from the creepy pervy rapist guy. Uh, and he takes her back to Ewan McGregor and he is just doing what you and I would do in that situation and couldn't turn away from watching Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor make out ferociously. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I get that. They cut back to him like four times. There. Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman are just fucking going at it, making out it like it's their last day on earth. And Le Chocolat can't turn away. And I can't turn away either, my dude. So well, I get it, brother. They're very, very pretty people. They're very pretty people. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's a, there, it reminds me of a line in, uh, in Ted Lasso uh, where one of the main characters is talking about getting to go to uh elton john's christmas party because she's like uh she's like the owner of the club and really rich and powerful you know mm -hmm. and she's talking about getting to go to uh elton john's christmas party uh where uh rachel vise and daniel craig have been in the past and they put on a puppet show and she said she's not going to go to the the this year's christmas event with them you know and ted asks her you're like oh you're gonna miss on the puppet show she's like yeah but really all i want to see those two do is fuck <laughs> 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 it's like, that's what i get from this <laughs> Oh god, uh, we've been talking about this movie for an hour. What the fuck? Yeah, it's about? been an hour. Oh my well, god. Well, uh, I mean, here's the thing: you break down this movie. It's a super simple premise, but it's so over stylized, and yeah. you know, like it's you know, it's two dudes in love, and it I can't happen. I really like uh, the kind of stock footagey early 1900s look yes. that they have at the beginning of the movie. And uh, I really like the operatic presentation of the Fox logo at the very beginning. <laughs> That's actually like really cool. Yeah, I, I, the way you've been talking about this movie, I imagine you were just like down in front. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was really fun. Focus. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. I want to say that that picture of Paris, when it opens up, I want to say it's like a real, like, super famous picture of Paris in 1900. Um, I want to say I, that I that also... is a specific image. That then I thought it was really cool to have the camera, like, zooms through the picture the problem is Buzz Lerman apparently liked that effect because he did it like six times in the opening everything in this movie <laughs> that they love doing you can absolutely tell because they reuse the same trick like 17 times before the movie's over and also well you know how you and I often talk about how we will scroll through the IMDB photos to like you know remember more talking points yeah and I'm scrolling through the fucking oh, IMDb no. photos, and there's just a zoom in on the green fairy grabbing her own boobs. And I was like, yeah, that's Moulin Rouge. That checks well, out. Welcome to the Moulin Rouge. Or yeah, Moulin can, Rouge. can, can, can. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my goodness. This fucking movie. Broadbent you know, is easily the best part of this whole movie for me, though. Yeah, yeah. dude. When he when he decks the, the Duke guy at the end, it's like, yes. fuck yes, Jim Broadbent. This is why you're my favorite. Hell yeah. Yeah, he... Um, I feel like he's in a different movie from everyone else, but I feel like they're all kind of in their own movie. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I do... I, I like this movie, and I like the music and stuff in it, but I feel like I watched this movie wrong because I just see the entire movie as a comedy, top to bottom. And they have drama and romance listed on IMDb. <laughs> Uh, and I, they, I don't get either this, of those hardly. I, I I think they go so over the top with the drama that it becomes comedy again. <laughs> the ending of this movie is so, when she's dying. It is so fucking melodramatic that I'm cringing to death while watching it. And it's supposed to be like the saddest thing you've ever seen. It's just like, dude, you've been saying she's going to die for this entire fucking movie. I don't really care. Half this movie has been spent as covers of pop songs. Just to, oh, that's another thing. Why is this movie over two hours long? This movie easily could have been like a, a lean 90 minutes and I think been a lot better paced. But they like grind the movie to a halt so many times just because we got to have a fucking Madonna song for five minutes. We got to have this song. And I, it's I, just like, I think we should just develop the characters more instead of like, hey, here's that Madonna song you like a whole lot. Here's that other song you like a whole lot. It just like grinds the pacing to a fucking halt just like oh okay i guess i'll just check my phone for five minutes until they get back to the actual characters and the actual fucking plot of the movie i'm watching i found our new twitter banner like that's pretty strong i can't <laughs> i can't take down i can't do it it's, it's nick cage plunging a fucking five nights at freddy's murder matronic i can't do it man uh -huh. i can't do it um, that like break that like breaks the seal and like leads to like <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant happening or something, dude. If I take down that photo, I can't. Yeah, I, can't I don't, do it. the pacing in this movie, it feels like 20 minutes to me. Does it really? I was in agony watching this movie. I fucking hated watching the bulk of this movie. <laughs> I thought it was so painful, dude. That's crazy to me. So like, what what is it about the, is it just like the, you you find the musical numbers like fun to watch or like what what about the movie makes it like fly by to you because i thought i thought it i thought it, it felt like it lasted longer than those fucking single digit frame rates in fellowship of the ring it just like would <laughs> never end <laughs> uh i don't know i just think it's a, a really funny movie and I, I like the way it's stylized i like to look at it they do have good uh set design i like a lot of the, the set designs real strong the costume designs real strong um the other than you know 
the Lord of the Rings they, style single they, digit frame rate. A, uh, the way it's shot. Do they have a facial prosthetic on Leguizamo? Because he just kind of looks weird to me in this movie. I mean, John Leguizamo looks so different in every movie. I don't know, man. That's true. Maybe he just kept on his uh, spawn clown nose. I'm not sure. I mean, he might. His nose is kind of a different color from the rest of his face in one of these photos. I think I think they gave him like a bigger nose to like amplify the effect of him being shorter, even though it doesn't work at all. And he still has uh, like they didn't bother to to do any tricks on making his like arms look shorter. I know. So he just, he's, he's like he's a gorilla. Yeah, he's obviously <laughs> walking around on his knees and it's just like, why? <laughs> they went out of their way so hardcore to keep John Leguizamo as this character, but have him do a voice which makes him unrecognizable and uh, you can't distinguish what the fuck he's saying half the time. So you didn't even need to have John Leguizamo okay, so in here because he's not recognizable. That's one thing that I didn't have a problem with because so Christina watches most of her media with subtitles on because we have kids or she's got it on in the background while she's working or I'm over here playing video games and you know, the TV's in yeah, between yeah. our computers, something. So she just turns on subtitles and leaves subtitles on all the time. And when we started watching this and the subtitles started playing, she was like, oh, you can turn those off because I know they annoy you. And I was like, actually, not on musicals, they don't. I tend to watch musicals with subtitles on. Interesting. What, what, what's the difference for the you? Song. The song. Oh, you, you want to hear all the lyrics of the songs? Yeah, basically. exactly. Um, I, don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a super strong ear for music. So sometimes what is being said in the music is lost in the music for me. So I like to have subtitles on when I watch a musical. And when subtitles are on... I can't help but look at the subtitles, whether I'm needing them or not. So yeah, I, I, I I have them off unless I'm actively rewinding a scene to figure out what somebody said that seems important. Mm-hmm. It drives it drives me crazy to have subtitles on. One of my I find it I find it distracting. One of my favorite features on an Apple TV is asking asking Siri what did he say. Oh, is that a thing? That's a thing. That's fucking fucking cool. It will rewind whatever you're watching by like 20 seconds and then turn the subtitles on. No shit. And then when it gets back... I didn't know this was a thing. Then when I'll show you next time you're over. Holy fuck. When you get back to the point that you asked it, the subtitles turn off. Bro, you just sold you just sold a fucking Apple TV. (laughs) I'm buying that because I do that all the time. Because I want to know what was said, but I can't have them... You know how some people will have them on constantly? So like Chris is... uh, explanations make a lot of sense because she has a lot of distractions on around her right right some people just have them on all of the time even if they're by themselves in a room with no distractions that would drive me crazy because like you said i have to look at them because they're on the screen part of watching a movie or watching a tv show for me is the watching of it I like to yeah, look at exactly. it. I like to look at the choices they made in stylizing it. I like to look at the way it's filmed, the way it's shot. But all I can look at is the words on the bottom. That's one thing that drives me fucking crazy about the subs versus dubs argument with anime. Right. It's like, bro, the the animation, the visibility of you being able to actually paying to be able to pay attention to the animation is a huge draw of anime for me. And you're telling me you're going out of your way to spend half the time reading? Instead yeah. of looking at the animation and anime, like I've never understood that. Yeah, it just I, drives me crazy. It drives me crazy because in animation it's different. Because you know I love animation. 
and I want to see the animation. I it, Hell it's, yeah. It's not it goes beyond the way that something is shot or the way something is filmed. It is literally a work of I mean a movie is a work of art, but this is literally a work of art that I am wanting to look at and stare at and think about and you know um if I had subtitles on and I watched Frozen, I probably would never watch or notice Elsa's hair changing as her personality changes throughout the movie. Or, like, actually, I, I think it can a- uh, actively take you out of the movie, too. Because, like, one thing that I think of a lot of... Is the typos? Uh, <laughs> how, well, that. But how... So, like, think of Moana and how gorgeous a lot of the background is. Or, like, the water. Right. So, it's like, when, when you're listening to the dialogue, you can let your mind wander sometimes. And, you know, just kind of pay attention to the... Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> Ron just dropped the most uncomfortable Jim Broadbent... That, I think that's my new Twitter profile picture. That's what I I'm changing my stuff to right now. <laughs> He's switching to Jim Broadbent. Yeah. That's fucking great. Um, you, were, you were rocking uh, uh, what's-his-face from uh, Taming the T-Rex there for a minute on Discord, I see. Yeah, was that what it was that on? This is the one time I logged into Twitter was to change it to that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. How do I find And Elon's going to see that and just gift you a fucking Twitter blue subscription. Because <laughs> of the, the Broadbent pick. What the fuck was I saying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, oh, oh, uh, so Mo- Moana, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so when you're li- able to listen to the dialogue instead of actively reading it, it, it allows you more time to take in the the detail of the fucking animation. And I fucking hate you, Ronnie. Did again. <laughs> I wanted Just to see like, if you'd lose your place again. Uh, nah, I, I made my point. I'm moving along. <laughs> moving along. Um. <laughs> Jim Broadbent, by the way, uh, he's just a fucking international treasure that not enough people appreciate. I think uh, Broadbent is like close to being, he's like on the peripherals of, of Mount Rushmore for the, for SBR. Because I really like Jim Broadbent. Every, every time he pops up, pops up in something, he's like, he's so good. Uh, we were just watching, uh, so uh, Aurora really liked House of the Dragon, right? Really? So, so we were uh, going, but she, she started with House of the Dragon after having started Game of Thrones a while back, but fell off of it just because like someone like one of her friends was getting her to watch it and they they stopped watching it, drifted off to something else. So we, we went back and watched Game of Thrones again so she could better understand the houses and, and stuff in House of the Dragon. And we got to the part with uh Broadbent. Do you remember him in Game of Thrones? No. He, he is he is the asshole maester guy who is Sam's uh boss oh my at the God. citadel yes and he's fucking amazing in that and he's like he's barely in the show but every time he's on screen you you are just like mesmerized by how fucking good that guy is in every movie and the first thing that pops in my head when i think of him is he's a goddamn chair in harry potter uh who what is he in harry potter he's a chair he's a chair i, I thought he was uh slughorn the, that uh, might be blood. that might be his name. I don't know, but he's like hiding from the Dark Lord or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He, he yeah he like transforms himself into a chair for a scene. Yeah, he, you're he, right. He like shape shifts into furniture and stuff in this empty house, and yeah. that's just where that's just where he sits to hide <laughs> as furniture. I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah, because I, I think if it mostly uh, he's in the the sixth movie, sixth movie. I don't but know it, whichever one. Chris, Widow, I hate those uh, movies. Which, whichever one the Half Blood Prince is, he's like the professor. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's the sixth movie. Yeah, he he's like the professor who is tied into the backstory of Voldemort. 
so harry potter is getting like info from him or something i don't know i'm not a big harry potter guy either so, but you know who's awesome in the harry potter movies when he's on screen jim fucking broadbent <laughs> love that guy uh yeah anything else you got to talk about i'm kind of running out of like talking points um, no the, oddly enough this is a weird one because there's so much to talk about and nothing to talk about like at the same time it, yeah it's it's really weird because like i said when you boil down the plot it's a super simple movie but everything that goes around that plot, everything in orbit around that plot that happens in the movie is super complex. Yeah, it, it's like simplistic yet convoluted at the same time. And I don't know how. It's, it's really bizarre. <laughs> Boz Lerman, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. I'm just thinking about like the, the, the scenes towards the end when Leguizamo is in his uh, spawn clown makeup up in the rafters, just screaming stuff that I can't. It, it reminds me of that. That <laughs> fucking. It reminds me of that fucking. That, do you remember the uh, the Finding Nemo meme? <laughs> of uh, he's like, I can't understand a word that you're saying, but you're very cute. Like, it's like, I can't fucking understand what you're saying, like Wasamo. I love you, but I can't fucking understand you. Anything coming out of your fucking mouth, man. And Ron is just continuously copy pasting. <laughs> Jim Broadbent picks into the Discord to throw me off. Well played. Well played. Yeah, yeah. I I, I did not like him. Uh, evidently, I, I I'm uh, surprised. I for some reason I was thinking uh, you would just automatically like it. No, I just did not. I I was actively actively in agony for this a good portion of Moulin Rouge. This isn't as big a shock to me as like a Fifth Element was. I thought you'd go for that. But uh I am still yeah, it, I am still surprised. It is uh mostly just like the music thing. Uh that always it's just a personal preference thing that most people wouldn't care about. But I I, I find it interesting when you go out of your way to make your movie a musical. You are putting a lot on the line because not only do you have to make the fucking movie, but you have to make the songs good. You know, there's a lot of like, it's one of the things that draws me to Hamilton. Can you imagine, Ron? It's difficult writing one fucking good song. You're going to tell me like Lin-Manuel can sit down at his piano over the course of years and write three hours worth of songs. And at worst, they're like a 7.5 out of 10. The artistry behind that is fucking mesmerizing to me. And when I'm sitting down to watch this and I think it's, it is a traditional musical where they have made original music for it just to find out it is just covers of pop songs. And I typically dislike covers of songs just in general. Really? It, it was, it was like laser fuck you, Ron and your discord <laughs> images. It is like a, it was like laser targeted to annoy me personally. It's, it's kind of crazy in retrospect, just how laser, like laser focused this was to make this a movie that I would not enjoy 20 years later. It's kind of, kind of crazy. Uh, that being said, like I like certain parts of it a lot. I, we've talked about, I really like Jim Broadbent's character. I think, uh, Nicole Kidman and you McGregor, fuck you, Ron, <laughs> please stop. <laughs> I am just turning off my monitor now. <laughs> uh, it is, uh, I think, I think Nicole Kidman, I think this is one of her better movies because, she is when the when the movie is is calling for her to be dramatic and you know to really like you know to not be I, moaning I love the, on the idea ground. that in your mind this is one of her better movies and you hated it not one of her better movies i guess one of her better performances i would say uh, 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 
yeah, that's that's the way I took it. But yeah. I just uh, I just uh, yeah, the, the wording was funny. <laughs> it is incredibly fucking damning now that you pointed it out. <laughs> Uh, I think Ewan McGregor is awesome because he can't not be awesome because he's Ewan goddamn McGregor. And the dude is just not capable of being in a movie and not being really likable, really good, really charismatic. With your goddamn dreamy blue eyes, fuck you, Ewan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's just not fair. He gets to be... It's it's really really not. Ewan McGregor every day. He just wakes up and he's Ewan McGregor. That's all he has to do. It's not fair. I think I dislike Moulin Rouge almost as much as I dislike Tammy the T-Rex, which is not wow. something I expected to say. But you know what? Tammy and the T-Rex has about 30 to 40 minutes of like solid B-movie in there. It's surrounded by a bunch of fucking colossal horseshit that is terrible. I should not have been committed to film. But I think if you're just talking like percentages, there is a higher percentage of Tammy the T-Rex that I like than Moulin Rouge. Which I did not expect to have happen. Ron is just speechless now because I compared <laughs> I Moulin Rouge to Tammy and the T-Rex. I'm trying to parse this out in my head. Yeah. Just did not did not like so it. So what you're telling me is if Ewan McGregor was a T-Rex in this movie, you'd be all about it. I I, I think we're on to something, man. Can we make it, a sequel? With, with the hands, of course. Yeah, can, can we make a... Moulin Rouge 2 Electric Boogaloo 23 years later. Nicole and the T-Rex. <laughs> Satine and the you... T-Rex. <laughs> oh, man. By the way, I'm always looking for a good name to name a character in a video game. Satine is going to be added to that list that I use. That's a good name. Tammy and the T-Rex. Oh, I'm I'm done. This podcast is over. <laughs> I'm out. You know what's funny? You were surprised to hear how much I dislike this. I'm surprised <laughs> to hear how much you like it. Because I, I just found hardly anything to like outside of Jim Broadbent and a few scenes of like Hugh McGregor and Nicole Kidman. Uh, yeah. Really, really interesting that like uh, Friends of Family Month brings out, you know, like really interesting conversations. Now, because we're, we, are, we are on opposite ends of the spectrum on this movie without really caring about it either way. I, you don't, know? I don't know how opposite we are. I like this movie. This is not Independence Day or the Avengers for me. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not in my wheelhouse. Like, I don't know. It's, I like this movie, but it's more towards the middle of the scale for me. Like, okay. you know, the, if Christina turns it on when I'm up here playing video games, I'll probably be listening to it, but I'll I'll probably look at the screen here and there. That it's yeah. it's not gonna really grab my attention. It's not, it's not offensive. You know, like parts of Taming the T Rex, how it's offensively bad. Right. Nothing in here is offensively bad. It is just so far outside of my wheelhouse and doing stuff that I specifically dislike. That like I said, it's like it's not on pay it's like it's not objectively atrocious like Taming the T Rex is. It's just due to my personal preferences with music and musicals and just in like movie watching in general. It, it is like crazy how focused it was at making me dislike it. And that is just totally on me. That is not the movie itself being terrible. It is just, wow, is it not for me? It is just crazy how much I, I, cause I was kind of, I, we talked about it in the last episode. I was actually kind of excited to watch this because I was kind of going into the new mindset of being more open to musicals. 
and I am, but I have I and guess now discovered right back uh, where I fucking was. Uh, no, I I am more <laughs> open and uh and receptive to traditional musicals where it is a traditional musical and not like a karaoke night, not like a camp fest kind of joke. Uh which is a weird line that I didn't realize I had until watching this. It's just like, man, to me it's a cop out. Uh to like make your movie a musical and only have one fucking original song in the entire movie. That's lazy as fuck to me, and kind of like a fuck you to the audience. If they're going into it expecting to hear some, like, good original music that isn't, you know, from fucking Madonna, or <laughs> Bowie, or Queen, or Elton John, it's just like, how much fucking money do they have to pay to get the rights to all this shit? Like, there's, like, Queen, Bowie, Madonna, Lady Marmalade, like, just tons and tons of famous songs in here. And usually it's expensive as fuck to get just, like, one pop culture song that's that famous in your movie. Uh, they have all of them. They have every pop song that's <laughs> ever existed is fucking covered in this movie. It's kind of wild. Like, they went all out with the budget for this, I guess, because I'm sure 90% of the <laughs> Ron's <laughs> Discord image has changed in broadband in real time. As I was watching it, it changed in real time. <laughs> It's fucking great. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Moulin Rouge, real, real 9.5 out of 10. You know, just a solid masterpiece. And I have, I have no notes. I have no notes at all. You want to you hear the note that I wrote down? Because it applies now more than ever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I, I totally forgot that you had that note. <laughs> because I have just been voicing how much I fucking hate Moulin Rouge for 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the duke at the beginning of the movie he's just like generally i like it i i thought that was gonna be where you came across this movie <laughs> I, I just uh, i could just see on the front of the box or on the poster generally i like it jeff miller <laughs> you fucking wish boss <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh god uh yeah, I was actively checking how many minutes were left in the movie, <laughs> and when I would look at it, it'd be like an hour and ten minutes. I'd be like, "How, boss? What <laughs> more is there to cover?" Oh, that's right, we got twenty more pop songs. We gotta cram in this bitch before we're done. Yeah, for me, the movie just oh, ended all of a sudden. You know, that's crazy. Uh, it's but so funny. like I said, it's I so... think I watched this movie incorrectly. Because I think it's supposed to be taken more seriously than I take it. Okay. Yeah, I, I I was taking it on both comedic and dramatic levels because it was just I, like... I, I see zero drama back. in this movie at all. Really? See, I see melodrama all over the fucking place. <laughs> uh, like Degrassi level fucking oh, amateur hour fucking no. melodrama. And I'm like dying. Watch, watch it. <laughs> Watch it. Christina might actually listen to this episode. <laughs> she is that once you tell her how much I fucking hated Moulin Rouge. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. No disrespect. She's all I just, about Degrassi. I uh oh I I've never seen an episode. I I that was just a point of reference uh, to make. I I could not could not tell you if Degrassi is good or bad because I've never seen an episode of it in my life. I was using it as a, a reference of teenage melodrama. That is what I equate this to. It's like bad teenage melodrama <laughs> even in the ending you didn't get the drama because like they they fucking 
slow this movie down to a halt and she's dying for like what felt like five hours to me as they're just all crying <laughs> it's just like it's supposed to have the gravitas of like the ending of lord of the rings of like this epic journey the characters have been on when they've been doing nothing but fucking dancing and singing and it's just like really, why why are we having so much character i, I don't even know i don't i don't know <laughs> I'm just gonna walk away. <laughs> um, even so, but even the ending, you didn't get the melodrama. I mean, I get some of it there. I mean, most for the the whole stage performance when that's all going on, I'm just laughing at it. Um, but uh, when the the curtain the curtain drops, I mean, I get it there. But yeah, I don't know. I do like, by the way, the two things I I did want to point out. Um, I like that she dies basically right after curtain drop. <laughs> Put that on the poster. I like that she dies. <laughs> no, I like that she dies right after the curtain drop because, you know, the curtain's closed, right? Yeah. Figuratively and literally. Um, But again, I feel like Ewan McGregor's in a different movie because for me, this movie is almost airplane. And that like shriek of emotional pain he has, it's like you you view it as like the tone of airplane, almost. Yeah. Okay, you are watching this movie incorrectly because <laughs> this this movie wants you to fucking care, and I couldn't care less. Oh, I couldn't I'm either, just like, dude. That's that's crazy. Like, I think your brain, I think the like the fucking white blood cells in your brain are actively <laughs> rejecting the tone of this movie <laughs> to save you, and mine did not. I was not saved. <laughs> the way that this movie is filmed, I can't help but look at it as a Looney Tune. It is for like half of it, and then it's all of a sudden yeah. trying to be like a fucking Scorsese drama. I'm just like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like that was your takeaway. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck my takeaway your is. Your brain like, is I, broken. Good night. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm fractured, dude. I... I I will never be the same. Moulin Rouge one, Boz one, Jeff zero. <laughs> uh, and Ron yeah. wins all around. Yeah. You got a new uh, Twitter and Discord profile <laughs> pick out of it. You've gotten to derail like five of my rants by this catalog and library of broadband images you've added to the Discord. Uh, yeah, this is a great time for Ron. Great time. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoyed myself. Uh, <laughs> it has been a fun recording. I did not. I did not have fun watching the movie. <laughs> uh, Ron, uh, any other final thoughts? I think we're I think, fuck. Quit putting fucking pictures on the Discord. <laughs> I'm minimizing this shit again. Uh, Ron, do you have any other thoughts on Mulan Rouge before we sign off? Uh, uh, no, no. That's uh, that's pretty much where I'm at. All right, all right masterpiece my new favorite movie i will watch it every day every day i'm every curious to find day. out what we will be watching yeah uh, so we're about to an announce uh, what might be our final friends and family entry uh we might have a little bonus episode uh we will talk about that when that is confirmed uh, or denied <laughs> uh but yeah we will confirm that but first i will do our sign offs just to get those out of the way if you would like to follow us more, and uh, uh, why would you? you? 
And if you don't after hearing me rant for 90 minutes, that's on you, man. This was an unexpected uh, good time for me. <laughs> an unexpected delight? Because you're going to hear me delight. like lose my mind about a movie that you don't fucking I, give two shits about? I got to watch <laughs> the, one of the greatest comedies of 2001 and listen to Jeff blow a blood vessel. Yeah, did not like it. Did not like it. Might be a surprise to people finding this out now. I did not like it. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah, we're on tw- <laughs> we're on Twitter at SPR Filmcast. Uh, if you would like to have a question or prompt discussed by Ronda myself, you can email us. We're at screenplayrewind at gmail dot com, or you can hit us up at Twitter DMs, whichever way you prefer. Uh, we're <laughs> how, also on- how did you watch Moulin Rouge? You'd write in and tell us. Uh, <laughs> did, did watching Moulin Rouge make you rethink your Hulu subscription? <laughs> so reply back yes or no. You mean, kind of you funny. mean the one I, app? I'm pretty sure the only reason I have Hulu is because it was like in that bundle with the Disney stuff and it was like basically the same price as Disney Plus to get both Disney Plus and Hulu. And now knowing that Hulu has Moulin Rouge, I might just pay for Disney Plus by itself and just not have <laughs> Hulu. <laughs> I can't associate with Moulin Rouge anymore. <laughs> uh, sign off. Oh, uh, ratings and reviews on any platform you caught us on that always helps and uh, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube to get us more traction on there uh, anything I missed with the sign off because my brain is just like a pile of fucking play-doh right now after this like share wrong. subscribe leave a comment yeah leave a comment otherwise the algorithm doesn't pick you up if you don't say these things in that order what, what were your thoughts on Moulin Rouge <laughs> most Did downvoted was... video we've ever done because <laughs> <laughs> the people that like this movie love this movie typically if you like Moulin Rouge, press like. If you dislike <laughs> Moulin Rouge, uh, press uh, like twice. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Just to really, really confuse the algorithm. Like, we got a lot of people hitting like, and not. It's like it's like <laughs> we got a lot of whoopsie daisies in the algorithm. We got a, yeah, we got a lot of wavering going on with uh, the reaction to our reaction to Moulin Rouge. <laughs> this fucking show is a clusterfuck, and I kind of love it. Uh, but Ron, which would you one? Like to know or Moulin Rouge? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Would you like to know, Ron, what our final entry potentially is going to be for this year's Friends and Family Month? I'm nervous because Aurora's Aurora's movie selections could either be the best movie we cover or it could be my Tammy and the T-Rex. I don't know which one. I, I feel like I, I yelled about Moulin Rouge more than I did Tammy and the T-Rex. I think you did. I think I did, dude. I think you did. I think I well, did. Well, it was cut was... and dry with Tammy and the T-Rex, right? The B-movie parts were great. The weird, rapey stuff, not so great. That was it. That's the whole review of Tammy that and was the T-Rex. It, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more nuance to how much I hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, your opinion was very subtle. I'm really glad you laid it out for us at the end. Yeah, very, very, just <laughs> as much nuance as a Nicole Kidman performance. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Oh, I don't know how to take that. I don't know, I don't know if I should be hurt for her or what. <laughs> then it's working. Our a lot of selection, nuance to your opinion. Yeah. Uh, me yell about a movie for 90 minutes in a recording? That has That's never happened never in the history happened. of any channel. That would never happen. I mean, we didn't lie. We said there will be expletives. It is true. And there were. And there continue to be expletives I think, when you have jeff watch moulin rouge 22 years later i think our uh, our podcast description that went up on all of the sites for that was something like there will be expletives and then the bio was like there are there are a lot if i recall yeah something cheeky there was something like of that course. 
All right, Ron. Next right, finally, week, what is it? We are covering drum roll, please. Barbie as the princess and the popper. <laughs> are you serious? Yep. <laughs> we were covering a Barbie movie. A Barbie movie? A Barbie movie. I'm out. Buckle buckle in. <laughs> is is Michael Keaton Ken? That's all I need to know. Is Michael Keaton Ken? Uh I can neither confirm nor deny. And is what's her face Barbie? Actually, what's her face might be Barbie. I think that's why they had her as Barbie in uh Toy Story. A little mermaid, is she Barbie? Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. What is it? Um, we are also trying to determine. Aurora has had me watch a few Barbie movies, and I don't know if I've seen this one or not. I can't remember. <laughs> You've been watching Barbie movies. I have been watching Barbie movies. Ooh, I didn't select them. <laughs> oh, but, this is gonna be a rough time. Uh. This yeah. is that. Oh my God! What year is that? Two thousand and four. <laughs> I think. You know what's funny? I think when you go to rent them, there is no HD option. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome, dude. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, look at this! Mark Twain getting the writing credit for the original story. <laughs> we are um, going from Shakespeare to Mark fucking Twain, <laughs> Mark dude. Twain. We have all we are, the culture on this show. Yeah, Martin we are nothing, Short. We are nothing if not cultured. Why is Martin Short in this movie? The guy needed to pay rent. Did someone tell him, "Hey, we have a Mark Twain movie for you"? <laughs> we have a yeah. That's how they sold it. And he agreed to it before reading the uh, the rest of the script. Why? It's like, oh fuck. Why? Why Barbie? Mickey Mouse did a far superior version of this story. You don't know. You haven't watched it yet. Oh, I can tell yeah, you, you by what I'm seeing. You haven't, you haven't watched it in 480p glory. <laughs> dude, I'm looking at these pictures. Hey, dude, I'm telling you, it's going to be a fun recording. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be great. It looks like a GameCube game. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. You disrespect the GameCube. It's in 64. It's just, no, they're not, they're not triangular. <laughs> they haven't gotten to that point yet <laughs> oh man yeah it's gonna be a fun time We're, so i just want to recap ron <laughs> what happens when you let friends and family pick your movies you get and i repeat tammy and the t-rex memories of murder moulin rouge and barbie as the princess and the popper i just gotta I just got to clap for the audience right there because that is just, that's money in the bank right there. That is fucking, that's almost as much whiplash as Moulin Rouge has been. That's crazy. The like, well, voice, well played, everybody. The voice of Barbie in this is Songo from Inuyasha, and that's all I'm going to hear the whole time. Nice. I, I don't know who that is. I watched a little bit of Inuyasha, but I do not remember. Do you remember the characters. chick with the giant uh, body length boomerang <clears throat> that she threw? Ooh, that does sound familiar. I probably do. Yeah. Probably do. Yeah, apparently that is Sango. She's also uh, Wanda Maximov in X-Men Evolution. There you go. What what uh, platforms for uh, Barbie know. and the Princess? Uh, whatever it's called. Uh, princess and the, I'm trying to find it. Barbie. There's so many Barbie movies. Good There's God. so many Barbie movies. I'm having a hard time. Oh, here it is. I found it. It is available for rent on Apple, Amazon, YouTube, Voodoo and Redbox. Redbox still has a streaming service? That's surprising to me. I, I figured that she would have been like, 
fucking extinct by now. Like, who goes out of their way to rent Redbox digital shit when you have, like, Amazon, YouTube, and Apple sitting there? I, I just doesn't make any sense to me. The real question Especially is... Especially when it's the same price. The real question is, out of all those services you just listed, which algorithm do I want to fuck up the most? Because once I watch this... You can never go back. <laughs> every every single suggestion from that service is going to be something like this. You're going to get like 50 Barbie suggestions in an email in two days. Go on a watch list. It's going to be a great fucking time. Oh my God. When is the last time I watched a rated G movie? <laughs> Holy what is, shit. Uh, what, what is like Frozen? Is Frozen PG? PG. Are all the, so they're, they're just PG for all the Disney stuff? Yeah, it's PG, I think. I yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. Real quick, let me just fact check that since we said it. Uh, Are you looking up Frozen? Yeah, it's probably PG. They probably just do PG. It's, it's PG. I feel like they do just do PG because it's just like, why would you not just make it PG? You know, just as like a safety feature for the fucking MPAA and and the, those just colossal assholes. Well, I saw like on that note, like I saw a really like a uh, funny story earlier. Did you know that Taxi Driver was given an X rating? And to get rid of the X rating, they changed the color of the blood by two degrees on the color palette. Really? And got an R. Wow. And just how, Wait, just it went how from colossal... X to R, not like NC-17? Uh, I think it... Oh, well, it was it was in a video where Tarantino was talking about it. But he, he, he specifically said it was given an X rating. Wow. And they switched it from X to, to rated R based on just the color of the blood being changed very, very slightly. And that is so much of a colossal fucking joke the MPAA is. Does it look like uh, does it look like jelly jam? It it looks like melted play doh. <laughs> it's a good movie though. They, they changed all the blood in the movie to walkie talkies. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Now you got a fucking R on your hands, man. They got, we can just make it PG walkie talkies <laughs> for everybody. The, okay. The last thing we have to end on is fucking South Park. When they're all charging into their house, <laughs> carrying walkie talkies, and shooting each other with walkie talkies. I think my favorite part is the uh, the Saving Private Ryan scene with the walkie talkies. They're, they're, they're like they're walking around with their arms and and limbs in their hands, but they're also carrying walkie talkies. And it's fine. It's such a good fucking joke. Oh man. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, we gotta get the fuck out of here before I start talking about Moulin Rouge again, dude. I have like a nervous tick to bitch about this fucking twenty year old musical for some reason. I gotta go. I gotta go seek help. Uh, thanks for listening. I think. Uh, they didn't have listen. a good night. Yeah, they, they didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> have a good night, everybody.